so excited. Who's excited to be in God's house today? Better. That's awesome. Y'all got some breakfast, too, that has some sugar in it, so I know you're excited. So I'm going to do everything I can to make sure we don't, uh, you don't get off that sugar high. So I've been excited over these past few weeks. We've been walking through this series called Alter Ego. And believe it or not, you know, going through this year, uh, this summer has kind of been foundational. We've just been building on everything and building on each other. Kind of what we've been talking through is, I don't know if you remember, but uh, we talked about leveling up in our walk with Jesus then we talked about living out the good work uh, that he has created us to live out. We talked about the rumble strips in our life, how we can walk in obedience to what he's called us to do. And then we've also been going through this thing called alter ego, where we're just learning about our identity in Christ. And the verse that we've been rallying around here is Luke 9.25, and it says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. You see, the thing is, for each and every one of us, as we're walking through this series called Alter Ego, we're learning that we are not the labels that people put on us. We are not the hello my name is that sometimes happens. We're not a checkbox on a form. We're not the car we drive. We're not the street address we live on. We're not the dollars in the bank account or the, 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 the lack of bank account. I'll at you, boy. So whatever that is, wherever we are, like we aren't that. We are not even the bad things they say about us or the person that we see in the mirror that we might be disappointed with. We are not that. We are so much more in Christ. And that's what we're going to continue to dive into today as we walk through this series called Alter Ego and we talk about going nowhere. How many folks have ever felt like they're just going nowhere? Few people. Praise God. I'm not alone in this. So I started thinking about this, and I said, where are some times in my life where I feel like I'm going nowhere? So has anybody ever been on like a scavenger hunt or a treasure hunt in this room? Okay, I, I see some hands. So yes, everyone has. This is how I know. How many folks remember Cracker Jacks? Cereal boxes. You went on a treasure hunt because if you were like me, you dumped the whole thing out to get the toy, right? And then everybody's mad at you. Mom's mad at you because you don't have breakfast. What a marketing ploy. Wasn't that smart? They just marketed to kids and they just dump it all out and get those things. And so when I say how many of us have ever been on a treasure hunt or if we've ever been there, sometimes when you're on that scavenger hunt or treasure hunt, you see all these lists of items. Don't you just feel like you're going nowhere? Like, what I mean by that is, you're so caught up in getting to where X is that marks the spot, you're probably counting the dashes in between. You remember that in the cartoons? They always had dashes, didn't they? I always wondered why that. It was never a solid line because it was never a guaranteed route, right? But you see, where I'm getting at with this is so many times in our life, we can feel like we're going nowhere because we're destination-driven people, aren't we? So much so, I don't know about you, but I remember growing up uh, in youth group, we would go on these scavenger hunts. I know. Go figure, it's okay. I'm that kid. Um, we would go on scavenger hunts. And what would always frustrate me on those scavenger hunts is you would find out the team that won found all of it in the church. And you would go all out over town trying to find all these things and everything they had was in the church the whole time. Because, you know, back in the day growing up in church, they had everything. Like, seriously, it, it would be everything. You could find a lot of You'd probably find a pool liner in there. You could probably find, like, some, some old tools, probably a lawnmower. I don't know. You could find a ton of things. So whatever you needed on this scavenger hunt, what would end up happening is that, would, is that you would find out the winning team always found them at the church. And I said, man, sometimes doesn't that just feel like our life? We're so driven to get to X that we might already be there and not even know it. 
And the whole time we spend our time just circling around like we're going nowhere. Now, the obvious message you would think I would bring you today, which is another one that's great if you read it on your own time, would be talking about the Israelites coming from Egypt and walking around in the desert for 40 years and what should have taken, what, 15 days? Some say seven days, but that's not what I'm going to walk through today. So, gotcha. Brought you on a different treasure hunt right there. We're actually going to be in a little bit different area today as we talk about this alter ego of going nowhere. So if you got your Bible today, uh, we're going to be in Genesis today. We're going to hang out with our boy Jacob a little bit. We learned a little bit about him last week. We're going to be in Genesis 28. So I'm going to set up where we're going and then we're going to go there. Genesis 28. If you would like a Bible, we'll have them free for the asking in the back. Or if you follow us on the Bible app, you can go ahead and load that up. It'll give you all the scripture we're going to walk through when we talk about Jacob today. So if you got your Bible, go ahead and mark that. Get to Genesis 28 and, and get to verse 10 because that's where we're going to start in a second as we're talking about being these destination-driven people. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do mine through the Bible app today. Good. So uh, destination-driven people. And so I look at the life of Jacob and it mirrors where we are because he was destination-driven. Before we pick up in, in Genesis 28, when we're on this treasure hunt and we're trying to find things, I think we can be like Jacob because a lot of us, when we're on the path to nowhere, say, I thought I'd be farther along than this. How many people have ever felt that or can feel that right now? I can tell you people in my life, I hear that all the time. And I can tell you when I look in the mirror sometimes, I'm like, man, I thought I'd be farther along than this. I thought I'd be like a trillionaire by now, uh, you know, just something like that. I thought I would have this. I thought I would have that. I thought I would be in this place but the thing that God's been reminding me of here recently that maybe I want to encourage you with today is, I wonder if you went back to the middle school you. Like, just picture that for a minute. And you told middle school you all the things you've overcome in your life, all the obstacles that couldn't stop you, all the walls that literally Jesus has let you break through, all the things that have been thrown at you, and you get to still stand here like the prophet Elton John says, I'm still standing. You know, like, you get to go and stand here. I wonder what that middle school person would say, because if I could go back to middle school me, and I could tell middle school me everything that God's brought me through, he would be blown away. Yet when I'm around people who might be a step ahead of me or a few steps behind me, I will say, man, I just thought I'd be further along than I am. That's where we can get stuck going nowhere because we're destination-driven people. And what I want us to see today is don't get so caught up on where you're going to not see what God's doing in you right now. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to see God show up in some transitional moments here in Jacob's life. So... Last time we talked about Jacob, he was going back to his brother, okay? Uh, he was trying to reconcile with his brother, and he wrestled with God, remember, and God put him in the figure four, and so he had a, he had a, hip, he had a hip ailment, right? He, his hip was messed up. Well, this is actually where we're going to pick up. That was Genesis 32. This is actually a little bit earlier. We're going to be in Genesis 28, and where Jacob is in this moment uh, is he's just stolen his brother's blessing, Okay? His mom, Rachel, says, uh, listen, uh, his mom says, listen, your brother's pretty mad. Not Rachel, his mom's not Rachel, I'm sorry, <laughs> messed that one up. Uh, his, his mom says, you're pretty mad, he's pretty mad. Uh, Esau's ready to kill you. You ever had your brother ready to kill you? You ever had anybody out to kill you? I'm sure they have. 
And like Elton John said, I'm still standing. I'm just telling you right now. So uh, that being said, his brother's going to kill him, and so he's got to flee. And we're going to pick up Jacob's story, and we're going to be camping out a lot in Scripture today. I don't have a ton of points for you, so hang in here with me, but I believe Jesus is going to do what only he can do in it. Genesis 28.10 is where we are going to pick up where we are. Genesis 28.10. So we'll get that Scripture rocking and rolling here in a little bit. We'll pick up on on 14 there in a moment. So Genesis 28.10 says this. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. Now, how many folks have gone that path? You know what I'm talking about, that, down the exit at Beersheba? Y'all have done that, right? Seriously, let me tell you why this is so important. I told you we're going to camp out in Scripture a little bit today. Uh, so Jacob is fleeing from his brother, and the path he takes is the same path that uh, his, uh, how do I say this the right way? Abraham's baby mama, Hagar, Remember, she had Ishmael, so Sarah couldn't get pregnant and said, hey, I'm going to give you my maidservant to have a son because God said we're going to have a son and I can't have kids, so I'm going to give you my maidservant. And Abraham just objected and said, no, I'm not going to get this woman pregnant. Yeah, we see. Uh, He didn't object. He went outside of God's will, got her pregnant with a son, Ishmael. Sarah became jealous, and because Sarah was jealous and because they stepped outside of what God wanted for them, they sent Hagar and Ishmael away. And she went the route from Beersheba to Haran. And what I love about this is how Jesus is and how God works in our life. He's already redeeming that route of fleeing through Jacob, whether he sees it or not. So what I want to tell you today is even though there's a scheme of man that may come against you, even though there's, there's something that seems like it's coming against you today, I want you to know it can't stop God's plan for your life. He's going to redeem what you think is not redeemable because that would be really hard to be redeemable, wouldn't it? So Jacob goes, and I don't know what would that make his, his, his step-uncle or his estranged uncle, I guess, Ishmael and Hagar, went this route. And so verse 11 goes on to say, when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down, and lay down excuse me, to sleep. Let me put it in a nutshell. He came to a rest stop, y'all, to a certain place. He came to, he came to it like, uh, there's a certain place, just some place he'd probably never heard of, never seen. So I don't know if you've ever seen some of those. For me, that's like, sorry if you're watching online and this is where you live. It's cool. Come to church sometime. We'd love to have breakfast with you. Uh, there's an exit on 85, the Blacksburg Earl exit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Good old Earl. How many Earls live in Earl? I just want to know. That's always intrigued me. Like, that just seems like it's out in the middle of the I know it's beautiful country. It's right where you see the mountains. It's beautiful country. But I was like, Earl? Who named the town Earl? There was a mayor in Earl who named the town Earl, and his name was Earl. Like, that was it. And he was the only vote that got to vote for Earl, right? Maybe you live in the southern part of the state, and you're on your way to Columbia. There's, a, there's one that says Jalapa. Anybody know about Jalapa? Now, how many Jalapas are in Jalapa? I don't know. We won't open that one. But Jalapa... Just seems like it's out in the middle of nowhere. Just seems like it's out in the middle of nowhere, and this is where Jacob is. Out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, he's got a rest stop. Maybe you're in Greenville, Traveler's Rest. Hey, it's the rest stop. He goes to a rest stop. And at that rest stop, he has this dream that we've heard about so many times, perhaps. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with his top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God 
were descending or ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. If you got your Bible, if you like to write in your Bible, if you like to do things, I want you to circle that. I want you to highlight that. There above it stood the Lord. I want you to know that no matter what this world is throwing at you, no matter what's coming against you, no matter how insurmountable, I'm preaching to myself today, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, how insurmountable the circumstances are, God is above it all. It can't overtake him. Remember the prodigal son last week? We talked about how the father wrapped his arms around the son and said, hey, to get to them, you got to come through me. God is above it all. Even in the middle of nowhere, he's above it all. And this crazy dream that Jacob is about to have in the moment of fleeing from stealing from his family, God's about to do something crazy. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Now wait. Now we know Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham, right? Like we know that, right? But what blows my mind here, what God's about to do is he is about to remind and renew Jacob of the promise he gave his grandfather, Abraham. See, Jacob's father's Isaac. Remember he was blind? Jacob Jacob's sitting there, and he's the deceiver. He's the hill grabber. He put on his Esau costume, which we're all getting ready for Halloween soon. He put on his Esau costume and made himself look all hairy uh, so that he could steal his brother's blessing. But God looks at him and says, your father, the one I gave the promise to. And I think about Jacob in the middle of nowhere in this moment, and I, I wonder how many times Isaac told him the story of going up the mountain where God gave the ram, and God provided, and God had a promise for him. And God is reminding him of this in his rest stop while he is fleeing. And he says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Do you remember what he told Abraham? Hey, I know you ain't got no kids yet, but we're gonna, you're going to bless the entire earth. The entire earth is going to be blessed through you. And so he's got one son, Isaac, and now that one son turns into twins, Jacob and Esau, who fight all the time, want to kill each other. Twin sons. And now God goes back to Jacob. Well, you remember Jacob, when he wrestled with God, was called Israel, right? He changes his name to Israel. He hadn't got there yet. But he's about to have some babies, and he's about to have some sons, and God's about to bless the entire earth through it. I wonder if you would see, even in the moment where you feel like you're running away from God, if you feel like all this stuff is just too much to handle and you're running from him, would you just see that God's got something planned for you? Because that's what he's reminding Jacob of right here. He's looking at him saying, hey, the entire earth will be blessed through you. Jacob ain't got no sons. He ain't even married. And your offspring? Like if I'm Jacob right here, I'm like, uh, it says man and woman have to have the children. My brother's trying to kill me. What do you mean you're going to bless me? And God reminds him, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done, until I have done what I promised you. 
when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. Have you ever been in that place where surely the Lord is in this place? You know, every Sunday, no matter what we have going on, the sun's just coming up. Uh, getting to come in here and, and, and we get to be a part of building church and we get to be a part of, of doing uh, Jesus doing what only he can do. And all of a sudden, when I pull up in this parking lot, every time I say, man, what a privilege and an honor because surely, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in this place. No matter what circumstances are going on, no matter what's happening, surely the Lord is in this place. And Jacob says this, and I'm afraid if we're so destination-driven, we can get stuck. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, in Jalapa, in Earl, in the middle of nowhere. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. You see, God had been there the whole time, yet Jacob missed him because he was just trying to lay his head down to get some sleep on a rock. That doesn't work for your My Pillow commercial, does it? He goes to sleep on, his, on a rock. But yet he met the rock. How awesome is that? He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You see, God shows up in the place that Jacob least expected it and the place that he was unaware of that even existed. I wonder where you are in your next step with Jesus. I wonder where you are on this beautiful story Jesus has written. Are you frustrated at him? I can tell you, preaching at myself today, there are times that I can say in my life, Jesus, I thought we'd be further along than this. I thought I'd be so much farther along than this. And Jesus is saying, son, listen, I'm right here with you. In the middle of what seems like wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, I wonder where you are today. Do you have something in your life where you feel like you're going nowhere? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationship. Jacob's a single dude, and God says, your offspring's going to bless the earth. He's also got the blessing he just stole from his brother. He's fleeing for his life. And so today, the first thing I want to tell you as you're walking through this alter ego of going nowhere is I want you to know this. God meets you in the middle of nowhere. God meets you in the middle of nowhere. I want you to think back. I want you just to think back over your life. Like really, really think back over your life. If you're a Christian right now, I want you to go back where you were in the middle of nowhere, where you were without hope, where you were in this place that nothing on this earth could satisfy, no person in your life, no relationship on anything in this earth could ever satisfy. And you were searching. You were in a pit. You were in the lowest of lows, and you were in the worst moment. You did the thing probably that you said you would never do. And Jesus met you right there and covered you with grace and mercy and said, I'm here with you. And for the first time, you saw God. I want you to go back to that nowhere. I want you to see where he called you because here's the thing that we can get stuck in. We think that we always have to be moving. And sometimes Jesus is saying, I'm going to use you right here where you are. And when I get stuck and think, well, we're not moving as much as I would like to. God, I'm not going where I think. God, I, I thought I'd be 10 steps ahead by now. Like I thought I'd be where he is. He brings me back to that place where I was in the middle of nowhere where he met me right where he was. He said, son, you got to come back here 
this place you call nowhere to see where I'm bringing you to. And so today, I want you to know God meets you in the middle of your nowhere. Maybe, maybe, you, you had a, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and you just feel like you're wandering. You feel like you're all over the place. You feel like, man, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm, I'm struggling, barely hanging on to my faith. And you feel like you're just going nowhere. I want you to know God's going to meet you right there in the middle of it. God's going to meet you in the middle of your nowhere. Go back to where he met you in the middle of your nowhere. Because sometimes we think that it has to be some grandiose burning bush, don't we? And I want to tell you this, it's so much more than that. You know, I, always was, I would always be asked in ministry, hey, what's your burning bush moment? I didn't have any burn. There was no pyro. There was nothing cool. There was no place where I had to take my sandals off because I was standing on holy ground. Like It wasn't that. I just remember Jesus just telling me what he was wanting me to do and my hard-headedness finally saying, okay, God, I'll do it. But we expect some big, grandiose thing, don't we? And if we don't have that, how do we feel about ourselves? We'll be like, well, I could never be them. You're right. Because you're made for something so much more. You're not supposed to be them. You're supposed to be you. So I want you to go back to that place today. If you feel like you're going nowhere, go back to that place. You know, so many times uh, for me, I have to go back to that place. You know, I shared my ministry story. We won't rehash things too much crazy. Uh, I, I knew I was called into ministry when I was 16. If you know anything about me, uh, growing up in elementary school, as God is my witness, my sister's here. She's not God, but she's got God in her, so that works. <laughs> growing up, uh, I used to dress for career day. What did I dress as? A preacher. What in the world? Little preacher. I grew up, and I was always told, hey, you're either going to be a pastor or a football coach. And then the craziness happened at church, and I said, well, I guess it's going to be the football route. <laughs> and then, uh, then I, I got to go to Florida State. Uh, Tim took me to Florida State. I remember my junior year. I think it, it might have been my senior year. I can't remember. I think it was my junior or senior year. And I remember going down there and seeing that, you know, these guys were like pressing 400 plus pounds, you know, like, like, like candy. And, that, you know, I had to look up to all of them. And I'm like, oh, that's the starting quarterback. Well, I guess football is not going to work. Like, I guess this is not going to be what happens for me. So, God, what is it that you want me to do? And so I had a Jacob moment. We're going to talk about what Jacob did here in a minute. And I just started negotiating a better life with God because I felt like I was going nowhere. Like, I knew he told me to do something, but it just wasn't good enough for me at the time. So I started negotiating. I said, hey, this is where my going nowhere started. I started saying, hey, God, this is what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. All right, God, listen, listen, listen. A couple more zeros before that decimal point. Get me there. And then you can have it all, all right? Get me there, and you can have it all. And so I started living that way, started building a career, started seeing things happening. Uh, wish I could say I was perfect at it, learned a lot of lessons along the way. But then all of a sudden, I heard about this church that was coming, to, that this church that was there. And my friend Mike Butler, hopefully he's watching, but he's a pastor. He sits on our pastoral advisory team. He, he helps with youth group and next steps at his church. He said, man, you got to come to church with me. And so I went to church. And I was just in this season where it was just kind of like a lull. And God met me. He met me there. And he reminded me what he made me for. He reminded me. So much so, I kept going. I got involved. I started serving. And then, lo and behold, hey, they're opening up a campus in the city you grew up in. Nah, God, you don't want me to go there. Like, I live in the other city. Like, hey, we talked about, God, we talked about this. 
I just got a promotion. Like, we talked about this. My bank account's not quite there yet. Like, we, we still got a couple more zeros before the decimal to go. But yet, God just kept reminding me. He kept meeting me there. He kept meeting me there. So much so, he reminded me of this call to ministry. And I went on to full-time staff. I went on to staff in ministry. And because of what happened when I was a teenager, I said, ministry is misery, and I want nothing to do with it. Because it's a miserable thing to do. I saw the misery that it put on people. And I was like, that is not what you died for. I want to have no part of it. And lo and behold, 14 years later, here I was on staff at a church. And then we know how that ended because I'm not here to talk bad. I'm saying as long as God's house filled and the gospel is preached and it's Christ and Christ crucified and people are meeting Jesus, I'm never going to talk them down. Because you know what? we got a lot of churches closing, and I don't want churches closing. I want churches opening in their full houses. So I'm not here to bash the church. I'm not here to tear anybody down. I do want to tell you that in that moment, though, in that ministry moment, I had to deal with what I walked through as a teenager. I had to deal with being told, you know what? You're not the guy. And in that moment, it would have been easy to give up. There were times I was angry. There were times where I felt like I was going nowhere. It would have been easy to give up on what God called me to do, yet he kept telling me to take steps of obedience. So much so, he said, you're going to open a church in downtown Spartanburg. Like, you're going to launch a church in downtown Spartanburg. And I remember sitting there, and I didn't want to tell anybody. You know, you got a secret. I'm one of those people. I'm pretty good at keeping secrets, but I had a secret, and I didn't want to tell anybody. And people are saying, man, I'm praying about you. I'm praying for what's happening in your life, and I know God's got something for you. Just, just stay obedient. Trust what he's calling you to do. And I knew that's what he was calling me to do. And I was like, I can't tell them that because then they're going to tell me I got to do it. And so I remember, I remember meeting with Alex as that transition happened, and Hope Rising was launching. And I remember we were talking, and I remember talking with him, and I was like, I remember when I first time I told him, and I was like, I know God's called us to start a church, and I think that he wants you to be a part of it, but pray about it and get back to me. And I remember him saying, we're in. Him and Brittany saying, we're in. I remember telling Tim and Olivia, and I remember saying, hey, just pray about it. I, I honestly don't even know what's going to happen, but this is what God's calling us to do, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but just be praying about it. And they was like, yeah, we're, we're in. I remember meeting with Joel Candler at Zaxby's on Reedville Road. Uh, hadn't had a chance to talk with him. He had a similar ministry experience. Hadn't had a chance to talk for him for a while. And I just remember sitting across from him saying, hey, man, I know this sounds crazy to you, but this is what God's calling me to do. Would you come, will you just pray about being a part of it? And he was like, shoot, yeah, I'm in. I remember calling Mike Butler, telling him, and I said, hey, man, would you pray about this? And before I finished the conversation, he was like, I already prayed about it. Yes, I'm already in. I already know what you're going to tell me. I'm like, ain't God good? He's down in Florida, and he knows something about that Florida water, y'all. So uh, he was in. I remember, I remember people, I remember talking with Ruby. I remember talking with, with, with Ruby about the church and saying, hey, pray about this. See what God would have you do. And I remember just walking through that. I remember seeing you guys at Sower's class. I remember seeing everyone there, and I'm saying, like, this is the vision of what God's called us to. But here's the thing. We don't quite sure know where we're going to meet. So before we started doing vision events, I didn't even know where we were going to meet. And so what blows my mind is like, guys, we're at Sunday 95 in this place. Can you believe that? Five more Sundays and we'll be at Sunday 100. Almost two years down, this place wasn't even on the radar. I had the worst closing I ever had at that point in my real estate career across the street out of lawyer's offices, pouring down rain. I had a seller who was moving to the lower part of the state for work had the U-Haul packed, and something just kept happening. They couldn't get their check, and they needed the check of their proceeds to go move into the next place. They were like, 
Well, we can't just float a check. Like, we got to move down to the next place, and we need this. And I remember the terrible closing. So I, it's two or three times, I can't remember the exact, I know it was at least twice, that I had to come back here. And the second time, I just sat in this parking lot at the YMCA. And I was like, God, what is going on? Like, we, we don't have a place to meet. The people you're bringing and, like, you're building something. I can't find anywhere for us to meet. This closing seems like it's from Hades. Like, I don't know what's happening. We're just trying to get this closed. And I remember him meeting in what seemed like the middle of nowhere, a place I never paid attention to, and saying, why not here? And I was like, all right, God, my Jacob moment. If this person calls me back... <laughs> Then we'll go there. And sure enough, I walked in the door and that person was right here. Called me back the next day. Then I had the team, we met up here and I was like, well, if it's this number, then we'll do it. And God was like, yeah, that's going to be the number for the whole year. So we're going to make that work. In the middle of nowhere. So when there are moments in our life where we feel like God doesn't move, there are moments in our life we can't see him moving behind the scenes. The reason I share that with you is that's just a highlight of God moving behind the scenes in my life. The cool part is you have the same story. God's doing the same thing in your life. And he's meeting you in the middle of the place where you think is nowhere, in the middle of the place where you just want to quit, in the middle of the place where you want to throw your hands up and say, I'm done. I'm done, God. I'm done. You called me to do this. You're not going to fulfill your promise. You said you would, but I just don't see it happening. And I'm telling you, right in the middle of that nowhere is where he is going to show up and do something incredible. If you'll just listen to what he's calling you to do. And so today, I want you to know that God meets you in the middle of nowhere. Genesis 28, 18 goes on to say this. As I had my Jacob moment, you'll see Jacob being Jacob. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. You know why he woke up early? Because he slept on a rock, y'all. Let's be real. He didn't sleep. He slept on a rock, y'all. Uh, seriously. He woke up early and he set up a pillar and he poured oil on it. Well, oil represents anointing. And so oil represented the presence of God in that place. And Jacob is saying, hey, this is the place that I met God. This is not the place that I was looking for God. This was not the place that I had a conversation that I initiated with God. This is the place that God met me in the middle of nowhere. And he set up a pillar, poured oil on it, and he said, I'm going to call this place Bethel, which means house of God. Though the city used to be called Luz, same guy. It was one guy. He was the mayor of Luz. His name was Luz, so he called the place Luz. Uh, maybe he was a loser. Hey, anyway, tough crowd. So that being said, Luz. Then Jacob made a vow. My Jacob moment when I was a teenager. Jacob made a vow. And you can see this, and maybe this is where you are in your walk with Christ. If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I can return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. You see, that's some of our story, and maybe that's where you are right now. God shows up, he meets us in the middle of nowhere, and we want to start the negotiation process, don't we? That was my story. That's my life, I'm telling you. And I'm telling you, the negotiation never works out the way it's supposed to. It never does. Jacob starts negotiating with God, and he starts his journey to go nowhere 
because God's about to do something in this place again later. And this stone I have set up will be a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth. So Jacob's saying, you give me all this, then I'll give to you. But until then, I'm not going to. (laughs) So Jacob is sitting in this moment, the good old negotiator. If you don't know this about me, you know I'm a nerd. It is what it is. I like to read. I wish I could apply it all. I'm really hard-headed, so I have to do things to learn. But one of my favorite things growing up is Aesop's fables. Anybody ever remember reading Aesop's fable? Remember the, the, the story of the scorpion and the frog? Anybody remember that story? If you don't, here's a quick refresher. What happens is a scorpion and a frog are on one side of the river. And what happens is the frog swims freely to and fro from one side of the riverbank to the other all the time. And the scorpion really wants to get to the other side. And so he looks at the frog and says, hey, man, I want to get to the other side of the river. Can I ride your back to get to the other side? And the frog says, well, no, you can't go to the other side with me. I mean, you're a scorpion. You've got a stinger. What's going to happen is you're going to sting me, and then we're going to die. And the scorpion says, how illogical is that, Mr. Frog? I can't swim. Only you can swim. So if I sting you, then yes, we'll both die. Do you not hear what you're saying? Just give me a ride, man. And so in the negotiation process, good old Mr. Scorpion gets on the frog's back. About halfway through, that scorpion, he just couldn't resist. That little stinger comes out. Boom. He stings that frog. Tags him. And as the frog is drowning, he looks up at the scorpion And he says, he's looking at him and says, why did you do that? Now we're both going to die. And the scorpion said, it's just in my nature. You see, Jacob spent his whole life as the scorpion. It's just in his nature. He stings everything he comes in contact with. And you know what? Our nature is the same way. We have a sin nature inside of us, and it will sting everything we come in contact with and will lead to death especially if we let it. If we're not obediently following God, if we're not trusting him at his word, and this is what Jacob did, and really quickly, Jacob's story, we're about to get to Genesis 35, if you want to get there in your Bible, we're going to pick this up in a second, but Jacob's story from this moment on, and we'll camp back out with him again next week, but Jacob's story is, this is Genesis 28, so Jacob flees from his brother Esau, he goes and hangs out with his uncle Laban, Yeah, that guy, his uncle Laban, and he sees this woman named Rachel, and he's like, man, Rachel's the bee's knees, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to marry her. I got to have her. So he goes to Laban and says, hey, what would it take for me to marry Rachel? And his uncle Laban says, well, I'll tell you what you can do. To marry my daughter, you got to work for me for seven years. So Jacob puts in the work. He works for seven years. The wedding comes. All of a sudden, what happens is Jacob, once again, probably sleeping on a rock, he gets to this place, and he wakes up the next morning, and it's not Rachel that's his bride. It's Leah. And he goes to his Uncle Laban. He's like, what are you talking about? Remember, we negotiated this. I said, what would it take to marry Rachel? And Laban said, no, son, you didn't hear me. I said, my daughter, not not Rachel, my daughter. But if you really want to marry Rachel, work another seven years. So Jacob goes, he works 14 years, now he's got two wives, he starts having children, uh, and, and he's going to build on the 12 sons that will later become the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, he makes Laban a little upset, okay? 
And so he goes and what he does is he said, all the spotted sheep will be mine and the regular ones will be yours. And he got a little plan. And so he multiplies his flocks. He gets Laban real mad because he steals his false gods. If you read into this, I'm just paraphrasing really quick. By the way, if you get somebody who's really angry at you in their life and say that you stole something from them, it might be that you stole their idols from them. That's kind of where Laban was. It's really crazy. He didn't care that Jacob took his daughters away from him. He cared more about his little idols than that. So Jacob gives, or Laban gives chase to Jacob. Now Jacob's on the run again. He's like Smokey and the Bandit, y'all. He's on the run again. He's ready to go. He's on the run. And all of a sudden, God stops Laban from killing Jacob. And then Jacob has that famous moment we talked about where he wrestles with God. He wrestles with God. He meets Esau. They have a small reunion. He goes to the inside of that small reunion. It's a place where Jacob's well is. We hear about Jesus talking about this famous well later on where he meets the Samaritan woman at. How great is it that God redeems those things? And then in Genesis 34, something terrible happens to Jacob's, wife, or Jacob's daughter, Dinah. It just shows that sin has been the same sin all the way through, by the way. And the thing that happened to Jacob's daughter, Dinah, his sons get mad and they want to take revenge on the people who did it, as I would, I can say. I wish I could tell you I would, and I'm sure in my nature I would want to do that. And because they take revenge on this city for what happened to Dinah, now all the cities are out to go get Jacob. So Jacob has that familiar story again. He's on the run again. And that's where we're going to pick up in chapter 35, verse 1. As Jacob is on the run, God says to Jacob, go up to Bethel. Go up to that little rest stop that you have. Go up to that little rest stop and settle there and build an altar to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods. Remember, Laban was chasing after them for the foreign gods. Crazy side note about that. If you read that story, Rachel actually sat on the foreign gods to hide them from her father. How crazy is that? Um, so he goes and he says, put away the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in my day of distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Now, you remember Jacob's negotiation? If you'll give me food, clothing, and safety, then you can be my God. But it looks like he's starting to have that, isn't it? So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears. And Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Shechem was that place where the woman at the well came from. It was close to Sakar, by the way, which is where the Samaritan woman came from. It's a really cool story that Jesus does that to redeem that. So then they set out, and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. That's the thing that happened in Genesis 34. And Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, and the land... Of Canaan. There he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel. El Bethel. They had the best tacos and burritos you've ever had in your entire life. El Bethel 
is what it is. So they had it. It's a good little space. Really, really. L is for El Shaddai, which means God of the God of the house. And hear me out right now. Here's the thing that I would tell you that breaks my heart. We can fall so in love with the house of God that we forget the God of the house in our life. And I want you to know it's not about the house of God. It's about the God of the house. And I want us to know that today. That's why we support the local church around the world. It's not just about one our church. It's about the church. And so that's where Jacob is finally seeing in this moment that El Bethel is about the God of the house of God because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. You see what can get really hard here and what I want you to see is through this story is God will meet us in the middle of our nowhere. That's where Jacob is in this moment. And when we trust God and we see him, he's going back to the place that God called him to. I'm going to say it because I said I was going to hold back today. But in the famous of Notorious B.I.G., if you know anything about him, I'm going back, back, back to Cali, Cali, Cali. Jacob's going back to this place. He's going back to this space. He's going back to the place that God met him. This place in the middle of nowhere. This place that he probably went by a thousand times before. This place that was insignificant to him until God showed up. And so God shows up in the middle of our nowhere to say this to each and every one of us. I am now here. I am now here. See, to us it looks like nowhere, doesn't it? To us it's spelled nowhere. To us it's where nowhere is. We think God is nowhere. We think he's not going to show up in the middle of nowhere. But when he does, he shows us and declares that I am now here. Because God meets us in the middle of our nowhere. And if you've got a relationship with Jesus, this is what Jesus did. That's why he's called Emmanuel. God with us. So the things in our life that lead us to nowhere, if we'll just open our eyes to see that God is right there in the middle of it, declaring that I am now here, all of a sudden, I'm telling you, you will stop going nowhere. And you will start living in a purpose that you were called to live. Not in an identity, not in what Jacob thought he had to have with wives and kids and all of these places and possessions. Instead, he's finally gone back to who God created him to be, Israel. What blows my mind is the first time Jacob got to this place, he was running from his brother, but he came limping back. You see, sometimes God, after we've had an encounter with him, has to change us to bring us back to that place. And so today, that's where I want to talk with us because you see, all of us have to know God's meeting us middle of our nowhere he's saying i am now here if you have a relationship with jesus hebrews 3 6 says it this way for each and every one of us but christ is faithful as the son over god's house the son over bethel my favorite part here we are his house we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. We encounter people that are going nowhere every day. We actually know where they're going. They're going straight to hell because they don't know Jesus. But because of Jesus in us, 
what he's done in us and what he wants to do through us as we get to declare to him that there is hope. It is now here. You no longer have to run astray. You no longer have to walk in the wilderness. You no longer have to do it all on your own. You no longer have to work your way to the top. You no longer have to pray your way through it. You no longer have to memorize the Bible verses to it. We are God's house in which he shares it with the world. And so today, wherever you are, I want you to walk in that identity. Because when we leave this place on Sundays, what always happens is you go to lunch. You're going to encounter somebody that's going nowhere. When you go to work tomorrow morning, there's a Monday every week, praise God. Somebody's going the way to going nowhere, and they feel like they're going nowhere. And I'm going to tell you what, they probably don't even realize it. Jacob didn't even realize it, that he was on his way to nowhere. But yet God met him in it. And we get to be that church. And this is what I love. And this is where I'd say where maybe we are. And maybe you've had your Jacob moment like me. Maybe right now you don't realize you're going nowhere because you're in the negotiation process. And, I, and so for me in contracts, there's a negotiation process. There's an expiration date on that negotiation. You're putting an expiration date on God and saying, if you don't move by this time, then, then I'll know that you aren't who you say you are. And I just want to bring you back to the pit where he showed us he is who he says he is, where he rescued us, where he saved us, where we had no hope. And church, that's what we get to share with the world. That's the identity we get to walk into. So as we're getting ready to close here in just a little bit, I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their head because it's gonna be a little special. We're not gonna be doing the normal limitation to begin with. I just want you to close your eyes and in this moment, I'll, I wanna ask you, do you feel like you're going nowhere? And if you are, maybe you know Jesus and you just feel like you're wandering right now. You feel like you're wandering. And so if that's you right now and you feel like you're wandering, I just want to pray for you because you can be in Christ and you can know who Jesus is like Jacob was and still be on a track to nowhere. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and surrender? I just want to pray for you right now. If you just feel like you're in the process of going nowhere, thank you. For everyone else, who doesn't have their hand up or who, everyone else who maybe don't feel like they're going nowhere. I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to talk about, we're going to get ready to do what we do every week. So dear Jesus, right now you see these hands that are offered in surrender. In these moments, Jesus, we just feel like perhaps we're going nowhere. And Jesus, right now, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, we would just see and know that you are now here. We no longer have to run in fear like Jacob did. He ran in fear from being exactly who you created him to be so that he could try to be something else. Jesus, let us just follow you obediently step by step. Let us encounter you today in the middle of our nowhere. Let us just see you. And for every one of those hands right now, Jesus, I just pray that they would experience your peace. I pray that they would know that they are not alone, that we have all been there, that we are all in seasons that have been there. And so Jesus, right now, I just pray that they would feel your presence like never before and that they would see you are declaring that you are now here. And for everyone else right now, maybe you're not in that season and maybe for the first time the Spirit is revealing to you that you've been on a path to nowhere your entire life. You have been like the scorpion. Everything you've touched has been death and you don't realize that it's in your nature that there is nothing that can cure the sting of death but something that can give life. And I want to tell you, Jesus came to this earth not to negotiate a better life for you on this earth but to give you the life that only He 
could give. He is the only one that can do it. So there is nothing that can defeat the sting of death and sin but Christ and Christ alone. And so for everyone else that's here right now, I just want to remind you of John 3, 16 and 17 that says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. And don't miss this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. And so right now I'm just asking if that's you and for the first time your heart is awakening. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer, but the faith of this prayer. That Jesus is who he says he is. And so we pray as a family for the benefit of those who are coming to the faith for the first time. So everyone, please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the life that I couldn't live, died the death that I deserved on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may have life. Come take over my life. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And if you can say for the first time in your life that God has met you right here and that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, I'm going to ask you to respond on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you right now and you can say that Jesus has come into your heart, that Jesus has taken over your life and you're no longer on a path to nowhere, you can now experience exactly who you've created, been created to be. Maybe you're watching online or listening by podcast. There's a way you can reach out to us. You're going to see a hand go up if you're watching online. If you're watching on Facebook, reach out to us. Shoot us a comment or, or shoot us an email at prayer at divine.tv or shoot us a text message or, or phone call at 864-580-6698. And maybe you feel like you're going nowhere today and you need someone to talk to. Please reach out to us. Please, because we would love, love, love to pray with you and so dear Jesus we're about to get ready to worship and I just pray that you would take over us and that you would remind us of the faith that you've given us I pray that you would give us faith and that we would trust you are who you say you are and that we would live out that you are now here that we are no longer in the middle of nowhere that you are now here, that you are in us and that you are living through us. And maybe we just feel like we're in that pit. Jesus, bring us back to where you brought us out of it and remind us that there's no scheme of man. There's no, no power of hell. There's no, no sting of death that could overtake us because you are over all of it. And when we are in you, Jesus, nothing, nothing can stop what you want to do through us. We love you, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. I'll stand up and sing with us.
trust what you say that you're good and your love is great I just pray that we would operate in that surrender. Maybe today you didn't feel like saying, I feel like I'm going nowhere. I just want to tell you, God is faithful. If we just surrender to him, it may not be like we think it is. We may want to go into negotiation like Jacob's tried to do, but I want to tell you, he's going to bring you back to the place to get you where he created you to go. And I just pray that even in the middle of nowhere, you would see that he is now here. And so as we lock it up and pray, I'm going to pray over us for this week, but I'm also going to pray for those who are sick or who aren't here today. And I'm just going to pray for those who are joining us on our eFam online that are struggling with going nowhere. There you go. Go ahead. Do it. That's cool. I love it. Yes. All right. 
Let's pray. Dear Jesus, once again, thank you for this day. God, it is such an honor and a privilege to be here. God, this was three years ago. This was just nowhere to any of us, but a place, a place to work out or a place to go through the trails. But Jesus, you showed up in the middle of nowhere and surely your presence is in this place. And God, I will, I will always be amazed because so many times we'll walk in here and not even be aware that you're there. So Jesus, as you bring us throughout this week, as you place us in situations and in opportunities to encounter those who are going nowhere, I pray, Jesus, that we would just be in full surrender to show that you are now here. To show that in the middle of nowhere to those shepherds and watching their flocks by night, you showed up in the middle of nowhere that you showed up in this chaos and mess to make a way when there was no other way. So Jesus, I pray that we would just trust you are making a way. Thank you, Jesus. We don't deserve to get to be here, but we do it for your name and for your fame and for your glory. We love you, Jesus. We can't wait to get back here next week. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. We got a seat saved for you next week. We continue alter ego of rejected. Maybe you feel that way. Get here because I promise you, you're going to be welcomed and loved. See you next week.